You're live with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo, here in studio with Andy Barrar. We've got a really great show for you uh, this morning, I guess afternoon, depending where you are. In a little while, we'll uh, be talking with the folks at TeenSafe. They have an app that lets you monitor your teens' activities, things like texting, on their iPhones and Android phones. And we'll be finding out and talking about whether we should be actually putting those kinds of things on our teen teens phones well yes is it good parenting or is it uh an invasion of your teens privacy it'll be an interesting debate oh, to talk it is about. an invasion of their privacy there's no but question. do you have the right to invade their privacy that's the big debate it's gonna be an interesting uh, conversation yeah, i'm very interested to uh to talk about that uh and later on we'll also be talking with uh peter nowak he's uh a freelance journalist uh about the big debate going on right now from some of the uh uh, the Bell CEO's comments about people accessing Netflix from the U.S. Uh, if you look at some of the uh, the studies, there's millions and millions of Canadians that have Netflix accounts that have found a way to circumnavigate the geoblocks to have them access the U.S. content instead of the Canadian content. The Bell CEO says that is stealing. One third, if that's the case, one third of Canadian Netflix subscribers are stealing on a daily basis. But what she's trying to say, it's like throwing trash out the window of your car that you would never tell people you did that. And you shouldn't. We as a society shouldn't tell people openly that we're getting U.S. Netflix because that is stealing, in her opinion. Should be interesting. Interesting thing. uh, Yesterday morning, I was uh, on my kitchen computer. Going to go check some news, and there's a little icon in the bottom right-hand corner mm-hmm. uh, in the notification area, little Windows icon, and I click it, and it's a little thing for Windows 10 asking ah. me to reserve my copy. And uh, for those who don't know, Windows 10 is uh, being uh, released out into the wild uh, July 29th, mm-hmm. and you can reserve your copy now. And if you are, a, uh, I guess, a, a licensed uh, user of uh, Windows 7 uh, or 8 or 8.1, you can get it free. Did I did I not hear somewhere that even pirated copies of Windows, they're trying to upgrade them as well? Well, originally that was the word on the street, but I think there's going to be some limited functionality mm-hmm. to those people that do upgrade from there. But Microsoft, we do know, they want to get everybody onto Windows 10 as soon as possible. Yes. I've had a chance to look at it. It is good. It's exactly what Windows 8 should have been. And really? Yes, because what they did is they they realized that when they made Windows 8, it was too much. It was too different for people to handle. Even for us, we're like diehard Microsoft fans. We did not like Windows 8. It was just kind of different. But uh, Windows 10 takes elements of Windows 7 and Windows 8, kind of merges them together, so that if you are a Windows 7 or an XP user, you should be able to get up and running on Windows 10 without too much trouble. You don't have to relearn anything. And I think that's really what Microsoft needs. Unfortunately, um, they had to get rid of Steve Ballmer to get this direction, but uh, they're definitely heading the right way, and I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, I mean, it looks interesting. They've uh, got the start menu in there, yeah. um, and it looks more like what I'm used to, kind of the desktop. I've got the, they've got the little tiles, kind of the Windows 8 tile stuff yeah. coming out of the start menu. Uh, so I'm going to check that out to see if I can get used to that, but... Um, Windows 8 and 8.1, I just feel was too much too fast. Yes. And, you know, when you look at the majority of the users uh, that would be using Windows 8 or 8.1, um, I don't think it was right for them. You know, it uh, was really made for touchscreens, tablets. Uh, and if you look at the majority of Windows users, they're not that. 
in theory, what they were doing was correct. They were like, we need to make an operating system for the mobile world. And we're going to make one operating system that works the same on your smartphone, on your tablet, and on your laptop. But what they, what they didn't realize, it's hard to teach old dogs like us new tricks. And it was There's tough. a lot of old dogs out there. <laughs> There's a lot of old dogs. Yeah. I remember one time for our television show, we were doing a review of Windows 8. And our cameraman asked us to adjust the screen brightness. And we had three guys trying to... Oh my to f- God, I remember that. And we had three guys trying to figure this out. And I was like, this is what's wrong with Windows 8. We have three geeks who, who are like all trying to do this one thing and we couldn't figure to it out. To adjust the brightness. To the, adjust the screen brightness. Yeah. It was not intuitive. I think it took us 20 minutes. Yeah, it did. And, and production stopped. Well, it's funny because, uh, you know, some family members, friends, you know, picked up Windows 8 when it came out. And, you know, of course, they always come to me when they can't figure stuff out. And it was it was very difficult for yep. me to get around that. I know it's supposed to be intuitive, but it just really wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would probably be okay on a tablet, but all these people were using it on their laptops or desktop PCs. And it was just very difficult to do the things that they would normally do. I remember we used to get a ton of calls on this show about people asking, where can I buy a laptop that has Windows 7? Yes. But you couldn't. They, they no. moved everybody over and it, you know, Windows 10 needed to come out and I can't wait. I think it's July 29th. It'll be available. Is that correct? Yeah, that's uh, what the little icon in my, <laughs> <laughs> in my computer says. Um, I, yeah, I'm still a little nervous. You know, I'm running Windows 7 on that computer. Um, and it's a desktop computer. It's not touchscreen. So yeah. I, I'm just nervous. Mm-hmm. I, Windows 7 is working really, really well for me. Well, yeah. And will Windows 10 really give me that? It, if it ain't broken, why fix it? Well, so that's, Win, that's Windows challenge. 10 has to really give you um, some more value to want to switch up like that. But it's, it's interesting. Free. Yes. I mean, that's Microsoft's bread and butter. But Selling software. Exactly, and upgrades but, and licenses. But they've gotten to the hardware business as well with their Surface Pro three. There's already rumors of a Surface Pro four coming out for Windows ten. Their tablet laptop. Their, their yeah. tablet laptop hybrid. What's another interesting thing about Windows ten is it's going to be available for the Raspberry Pi two, which both the you and I are kind of tinkering little with. Min, little mini computer. It's like a forty dollar computer. Yeah. So I, I think what's happening, uh, you know, if I can interpret this. Uh, they they obviously see all these ecosystems that have developed yep. under their noses. Apple with uh, their whole iOS, you know, for iPads and iPhones, and the Android uh, ecosystem, you know, from Google that has really exploded in the market in the past, you know, seven years, and that's very competitive space now. And those operating systems, for the most part, are free. Mm-hmm. And so I think what they're trying to do now is get everyone on the Windows bandwagon still, Windows ten. And start making money from all the apps that are going to be developed for it. But what about the corporate world? Because Microsoft, you think about that operating system, that's what businesses use. And our business is going to switch to Windows 10 because typically they are always one generation under because they want a stable operating system. I think what Microsoft's trying to do as well is that uh, this, from what I understand, this new Windows 10 uh, you know, underlying architecture uh, if you develop apps for like Windows 10 desktop or a mobile phone or tablet, it's basically the same across all mm-hmm. the different uh, platforms, even the Xbox as well. So these developers can basically create these apps that will work on all these different devices. They don't have to make different apps for like the phone and for the laptop and for uh, tablet. It is kind of a mind shift, though. We, we used to traditionally have programs 
software programs on Windows, but everything is going towards an app-based thing like you're talking about, one app for all these different devices, which makes a lot of sense if you're a developer. You don't want to make three apps for Microsoft. No, it costs money, right? Exactly. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Uh, we're going to get our hands on it in the next uh, week or two here and uh, give it uh, a good uh, test before it's released and let you know our thoughts on it. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking with the folks over at Teen Safe. This is interesting. It's uh, an app that helps you monitor your teen's activities on their smartphone. Should you install this? Will they let you install this on their smartphones? We'll find out. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Got lots more on today's show. Are you accessing U.S. Netflix from Canada? Then you are stealing, says the Bell CEO. We'll uh, be talking about that later on in the program. You'll want to stay tuned for that uh, debate. We'll also be hearing App of the Week later on uh, in the show with Christina as well. For those uh, techie people out there, we're actually periscoping the show today. Uh, We've been doing that for a few weekends now. And uh, essentially, Periscope is that uh, new app from Twitter available for the iPhone and Android uh, that allows you to actually see a live video stream of us in the studio as we're uh, doing the program. And it's kind of cool because you actually get to see uh, us on the break as well and what kind of crazy stuff we're talking about, kind of like behind the scenes. Absolutely. And so you can follow us uh, at Get Connected Now. That's our Twitter handle. You can search for us on Twitter. Uh, and also you can download the Periscope app but again for your Android or your iPhone and see how beautiful we really are. <laughs> Faces and, for radio. And the kind of stuff we talk about during the commercial breaks. Are you concerned about your, uh, your teen and their smartphone activity? Who are they talking to? There's so many different types of social media feeds with uh, texting, Facebook, Snapchat. Who are they talking to? What are they talking about? Well, there are apps out there and uh, technologies that can allow you to uh, look into that. One of them uh, is TeenSafe. On the line uh, right now, we've uh, got uh, Rowden Messenger. He's the CEO of TeenSafe. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So uh, this is... This is very interesting to me and uh, really kind of want to dig into this. But before we do, can you tell our listeners what TeenSafe will allow parents to do? Yes, certainly. We, uh, TeenSafe was created by parents, uh, for parents, in order to allow us to get a window into our children's digital lives. It's quite simple. A parent who, who, who wants to use our service simply goes to our website, teensafe.com, sets up an account adds their, their child's Android or iPhone device. And from there, once they've created the account and onboarded the device, they can see uh, their, their child's text messages, deleted messages, iMessage, WhatsApp, Kick, Instagram, uh, browsing history, call history, and contacts and a few other things. Basically get a, an overall view as to, to their child's digital activity on their phone. It's It's... It's interesting. I, I can see how some parents would love that. Uh, I actually have uh, my 14-year-old daughter in the studio today. She's periscoping, uh, actually filming us. Oh, she, is, she is shaking her head right now, <laughs> thinking you're a bad man. <laughs> yes, I can understand that. and we, we, It's it's very important to, to think of, uh, of our service in terms of being a parent. And uh, I'm sure your 14-year-old is, is uh, really um, very mature and knows how to use her device well and it's it is you know very good at that but that's, that's what she that's what she case. tells me <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly and 
you know, at, at one, once upon a time, you probably took her to play dates when she was very small and, and w- you know, wouldn't leave the, you know, the, the house where she was visiting. And then as she gets older, she can go and visit her friends. And one day she might be going out to restaurants and, and bars and, and you'll be completely happy about that. We see the same thing with, with digital parenting. It's all about your relationship with your child, being open and honest and, and, and giving trust and, and growing um, in the, in the right context of, of, of where your child's at. And a 10-year-old with an iPhone who has, you know, this extremely powerful device in their hands perhaps isn't um, as responsible or knows what they're doing as, as, as perhaps your 14-year-old daughter does. She is very responsible, again, as she keeps telling me <laughs> throughout this segment here. Um, what about privacy, though? Like, obviously, teenagers who are listening to this right now would feel this is a huge invasion of their privacy. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, it's very important that a parent respects their child's privacy. Um, we recently had a, um, you know, a user get in touch with us to give us a story about what she'd been through. And, and she had a 14-year-old daughter. Unfortunately, she was a very busy, single working mum, and she never had time to be with her daughter. And she got some feedback from the school that there were some issues. So she got team safe and told her daughter she was going to do it. And, and neither had um, really thought about it before doing it. And she found out, you know, that her daughter had been behaving quite inappropriately um, in a way that she had no idea about. And when she confronted her daughter about this, and she was shocked, her daughter was really upset um, and said, Mum, you know, I didn't realize you were going to be looking at every, you know, all my texts and stuff. And it was a, not, a, not a good scene. But then they talked and they made a deal and said, look, I'm only going to use this when I'm either worried about you or I just want to check in. I'm not going to use it every day. And they made a contract with each other. Um, and so now the daughter has her space, her trust, and the mother has the chance if she's worried to, to go in and do it openly without breaching trust. And, you know, there's an example of how you could and should use our tool responsibly. Um, it's not for, for spying. You know, it's not looking for looking at every move or helicopter parenting. It's just for keeping an eye and there are many cases, I think most parents would agree, it's essential to know. For example, if your child's involved in uh, being bullied or sexting or misbehaving in some, some way that you, you should know about or being a victim of something. Um, so, you know, we, we believe that monitoring is a very valuable thing to do if it's done correctly. Well, it's interesting. You uh, obviously are generating a lot of buzz online. I just came across this article. I, I guess some Australian uh, police officer says... Uh, he would recommend against putting the TeenSafe app to spy on children's smartphone activity, uh, in his words. How do you respond to that? Yes, um, I, I, uh, I saw that. And, he, you know, he actually said in that interview, he said, well, I, uh, I used the monitoring service on my daughter and I found out she was being bullied. Um, you know, uh, but then he felt bad that he, he'd monitored her and he felt that he'd breached his, her privacy. And, again, that's his personal choice, you know. I think it really depends on you as a parent and and your relationship with your child. It's, you know, you know, I speak to all kinds of parents, and and some say this is a no-brainer. I pay my child's phone bill. I look after them. They're my responsibility. It's my right and responsibility to know certain things. Other parents say no. My my child. I don't want to breach their privacy, and and I feel that this is is not necessary. And again, it's really up to you as a parent. I mean, we obviously believe that this is a very necessary and useful tool for for many people out there. Um, You know, another story recently, um, uh, 
a parent got in touch with us and he said, thank you, I just found out my, my child was suicidal and self-harming and I had no idea what was going on and we were able to get him help and, and you know, deal with the situation. Again, we get many, many situations like this that we, we hear about and I think most parents, in, if, if they were worried about something like that or, or you know, wanted to see what, where their child was um, at a certain time, would, would have no issue using TeenSafe or a similar service. Yeah, and I, I guess in my viewpoint, whether you agree or disagree with this service, uh, at the very minimum, it'll open up a discussion between you and your kids. Absolutely, and again, that was really beautifully put. Uh, we, we, uh, sorry about that, my daughter. Uh, we, we, we absolutely believe, um, you know, that. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Well, you know, we're, uh, we're running out of time here for this segment here. Uh, you've got about half a million subscribers. Now, where can people find out more information about TeenSafe? Yes, go to TeenSafe.com, oh. and there's lots of information there. We also have a blog, Teenology, and uh, there they can find out about more of the kind of nuances and details about the issues facing kids and families in, in, in this digital age. Just if we remember that we're the first generation of parents to give our children smartphones and we're, we're we're learning here this is a new brave new world both for kids and for parents um so uh, hopefully we can help a bit that was uh Ron messenger he's the ceo of teen safe you can find out uh, more about them at uh online at teen safe and also their teen safe app when we come back from the break are you stealing by accessing us netflix let's talk about it you're listening to get connected brought to you by london drugs here on the chorus radio network back after this well, we've got uh, some interesting chat now. Bell Media's CEO, or should I say president, president. Uh, Marianne Turk, sorry, I think I was identifying her as a CEO, she's the president, uh, says using VPNs or virtual private networks to skirt copyright rules, essentially people who have Netflix uh, using these VPNs to access the U.S. Netflix they're stealing. They are stealing. Very uh, emphatic about that. On the line right now, we've got Peter Nowak. He's an award-winning uh, journalist here in Canada. Uh, also the author of Humans 3.0. Thanks for joining us today, Peter. My pleasure. Um, I, I found this whole thing fascinating. You know, the broadcast world has obviously been changing over the past several years, and you know, we haven't even seen the, the true beginning of what's going to happen. Uh, and I, I know a lot of these these cable companies are uh, evolving to try to uh, serve their customers in this new digital era. But what do you think of her comments that people who are accessing the U.S. feed of Netflix are stealing? Yeah, well, it's kind of, uh, I guess you can, your reactions can kind of go from uh, infuriated to, you know, kind of thinking that some of what she said was kind of sad. Um, I, I kind of range in between both of those. Um, some of her comments, you know, other than she said that it was stealing, if you're using a, a VPN tax, it's U.S. Netflix, that's stealing. Um, she said that if you are, uh, you know, it's kind of reached, doing that has reached this sort of socially unacceptable uh, uh, level uh, akin to throwing garbage out your car window. Um, she also told a story about her, how her 15-year-old daughter was using an, uh, a VPN to get U.S. Netflix. A lot of this is really puzzling. Um, it, it's not unexpected because it's kind of along the same lines of what her predecessor, uh, Kevin Krull, who's the former head of Bell Media, 
he made similar comments about this over last, uh, you know, over his last uh, little while in office. And of course, he ended up getting uh, booted from Bell. Um, that was uh, primarily in regards to this battle that he had with the CRTC chairman. Um, but yeah, this is kind of the position that Bell is taking, and it seems to be a consistent position. And uh, as some other commentators have noted, it seems to be based not not really on a legal basis, but more on a on a business basis, where it looks like Bell things are not going Bell's way as far as uh, internet video is concerned, and I think this is some of these comments are based in frustration from that. Well, I, I would be frustrated if I were some of these these guys, because obviously the world is changing very, very quickly. Um, but, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, a lot of them are trying to evolve. You know, I look at Sean Rogers. They've come out with their Show Me uh, video streaming service that allows Canadians to access content on demand. And I know Bell has uh, Crave TV, but it's not as extensive as Show Me, is it? Yeah, and it's interesting because Show Me, uh, they do the uh, Rogers and Shaw. They just recently announced that they're going to be opening that up to all Canadians uh, this summer. Um, up until now, you have to be either a Raw, uh, sorry, a Rogers or Shaw customer uh, with internet or television to get Show Me, uh, but that'll change as of this summer. And I think that's actually commendable. Uh, there is a dispute right now in front of the CRTC about. Uh, how these, how those two companies launched the service and whether it was, uh, you know, kind of preferential for their own companies and, and discriminatory against other ISPs and so on. And there's probably some points to be made there. But I think it's actually commendable that they are actually opening it up to everybody. And they're basically going toe-to-toe with Netflix here. I think this is a huge a shift in, in Canadian telecommunications and broadcasting services because, uh, you know, if you're down in the U.S., you, you can't get a, a Rogers cell phone and you can't get cable from Shaw, but theoretically in the future, they're, you know, if they really want to take this further, uh, they could expand it. They could. This is a service that could ex- theoretically expand outside of Canada, and that's a service that, or that's that's something that just hasn't happened uh, with these with these companies in the past. So there's a possibility there. I think it's commendable. Now with Crave TV, Crave TV is a little bit of a different situation. Um, that's of course Bell streaming service, and it's licensing it to other uh, telcos in the country like Telus uh, out west and Eastlink in the east, and so on. Um, but it's still tied very much to a television subscription. And Marianne Turk, actually, in, in the speech that she gave this week, she stopped short of saying that they were going to open it up the way that uh, Rogers and Shaw are doing with Show Me. And I think that's, uh, you know, they, Bell doesn't directly comment on this, but the belief is is that the company doesn't actually have the rights to do that, to have a standalone service. It has to be tied to a television subscription. So... I think Bell is still very much mired in kind of that old, uh, you know, the old broadcast system, whereas it's looking like Rogers and Shaw are starting to dip their toes into what is the future. What I, Peter, what I find kind of uh, interesting about this whole situation is that what Netflix has shown that if you can provide a streaming service that's very reliable, that has great content, people will stop pirating and downloading um, movies and TV shows. And if you look, the torrent downloads in Canada have gone down significantly since Netflix came onto the scene. But it looks like Bell just doesn't see that, like the future. They seem very archaic. They want things how it used to be, and uh, they don't want to kind of separate it. So her comments were kind of dumb. I was kind of dumbfounded by what she's saying because there's really no legal basis to it. And she's now like, you know, people are making fun of her for what she said because she really is like out of touch of what's really happening in the digital world. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the, the most telling part of what she said in her speech was that story about her 15-year-old daughter, which uh, I, you know, I wrote a thing saying, I, I kind of doubt that actually happened. Is, it, is that really to be believed that uh, the, the president of Bell Media, her daughter, is using a VPN to access U.S. content? That either means, you know, you would assume that the head of Bell Media has basically a Bell's highest uh, TV tier package, whatever it is. They've got basically everything they, w- they could possibly want. Yeah. So does that say something then, if her daughter is still uh, using other means to access other content? Um, it's a little fishy to me. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, Netflix has said, uh, the, the CEO of, of Netflix, Reed Hastings, he said that uh, torrent usage in Canada has gone down more than 50% since they launched here. Um, and that's Netflix. But there's also independent studies. You know, the London uh, or some uh, reports out of Europe or studies out of Europe have found that wherever legitimate streaming options co- uh, pop up, there's a corresponding decrease to the level of piracy, and that's not just video. This is also with uh, you know music services like Spotify and so on. Um, I'm willing to bet that once Show Me opens up uh, this summer, I think you're gonna uh, just personally speaking, you know, uh, there's a lot of content on Show Me that is you can actually get it on U.S. Netflix if you use VPNs. If you've got that service as an option, as a legitimate option, and it's only uh, I think Show Me is like nine dollars a month, just like Netflix. Um, I think a vast, uh, a good majority of people are going to go for that for that legitimate service because it's easier and it's rel- it's uh, you know reasonably priced. So yeah, um, you give people the options. I think they're going to use them. The, that's what the studies have shown. I just got to get you to hang on the line there, Peter. I want to open up the phone lines to our listeners. You know, how do you feel about that? Are you stealing if you're getting U.S. Netflix? Are the uh, the cable providers uh, here in Canada providing enough? Uh, options, you know, to make it easy to get the content uh, that you want. We're seeing some of them are, are doing that, and, you know, some of them might take them a little bit longer. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really interesting debate. And what I want to know is, for the people that are getting U.S. content, do you really feel like a thief? Do you feel guilty? Do you not want to share it? Because it's very public. People just talk about it all the time. Oh, I saw like this. throwing garbage out the window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's the bell president says. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open up the phone lines to get your thoughts on it. 604-280-9898. 1-877-399-9898 is the toll-free long-distance number. Talking with Peter Nowak, award-winning tech journalist about uh, stealing Netflix out of the U.S. Your thoughts when we come back. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Brewer. Stay tuned. In a little while, we'll be getting App of the Week from Christina Stoyanova. Right now, we're talking about uh, streaming content. Uh, the Bell president uh, this week has basically said that uh, Canadians using virtual private networks to access the U.S. feed of Netflix are essentially stealing. And uh, it's uh, been an interesting debate online whether that is true or not. Uh, Peter Nowak, uh, award-winning journalist, is on the line as well and has been giving his thoughts. We're going to jump here to the phone line, 604-280-9898 or 1-877-399-9898. Do you think if you access U.S. Netflix, are you stealing content? Terry, what are your thoughts? Hi, is that me? Yes, it's you. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that... uh... Um, I wanted to take a look at that American Netflix, and so I got um, uh, one of they call a VIN or whatever they're called. So it thinks that I'm in San Jose, California. Yeah. But it still detected that I was in Canada, unless I paid twenty nine dollars and ninety five cents in order to get a a license to you know be able to activate that, which I did. That now got me onto the American Netflix, and uh, the only thing out of all the content on American Netflix, the only thing that I saw that I really wanted to watch 
was the old black and white Dick Van Dyke show from the 60s. That's the only thing. Nothing else. And you know, Dick Van Dyke show is not available on Show Me. Yeah. Not available on Crave TV. Not available on Canadian Netflix. But it is available, you know, on, on the American Netflix. And it's only the Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> that is hilarious. Do you feel you're stealing? Well, yes and no, because first of all, you know, I'm not actually paying Dick Van Dyke any monies for this sort of thing, you know, right? Well, Netflix but, is. Uh, <laughs> but I think since I'm paying my $5 a month in order to be able to get access to it, hopefully some of that $5 a month is going toward Netflix, because I really don't know where that 5 bucks a month is going that I'm paying. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and Peter, so this is, uh, you know, a common thing. Uh, these people are trying to get content that's not available in Canada. Um, are they stealing even though they're still paying Netflix? Well, there's uh, actually two points to be made on that. For one, uh, there's an article in the Toronto Star today. It's online as well by Michael Geist, a uh, University of Ottawa professor, and probably one of the most foremost uh, copyright experts in the country. And he doesn't think that actually you, uh, using a VPN access U.S. Netflix is theft. Uh, he says it could be a, a violation of Netflix's uh, terms of agreement or terms of service, but there's nothing necessarily uh, illegal about it. Um, the interesting thing about the Dick Van Dyke show, as the, the, the caller just mentioned there, is um, you know he's watching it on U.S. Netflix. It's not available on Canadian Netflix. Uh, so there, one way of looking at it as is, uh, he's adding to the numbers of people who are watching on U.S. Netflix. So when the when Netflix's agreement, licensing agreement, expires on whether to renew the Dick Van Dyke show, the more people who watch it, the more likely it is that Netflix is going to renew that licensing agreement and actually pay once again to license that show, which means that whoever was responsible for the show is probably going to see some money for it. So it's not necessarily... Uh, you know, there there is actually a, a side benefit to doing it, or or there is some sort of, um, you know, somebody does get paid at the end of the day when you actually do access you access U.S. Netflix. Unlike if you're uh, illegally torrenting. Yeah, exactly. Going to jump here to uh, Mitch. How you doing, Mitch? Yeah. Good morning, uh, Mike and Peter. I just tuned in a bit late to the show, but I just wanted to, uh, if I could, get on my soapbox uh, briefly about sure. about stealing media content. Um, I'm a stunt performer of 30 years, and uh, it, uh, as you can imagine, uh, I make a, a residual living based on legally downloaded content and distribution. And uh, in the slow period, you know, that puts food on my table. Yeah. So the, the mind frame that I, I hear sometimes is like stealing from the, you know, the big fat cat studio um, CEOs and, and shareholders. It's really not the case. It trickles down. To people like me who uh, who do risk performance and effects men who carry high explosives, to the technicians that that, that light very you know very um, high frequency and, and, and high voltage lighting systems. I mean, it all trickles back back down to us. And if you think you're just stealing from the big shot, you're taking food off people's tables. And I'll tell you right now, I have lost friends doing this. So yeah, no, I I agree with you. Uh, obviously, I, I can really see clear cut for people illegally downloading this stuff, yes. but. I guess it's kind of a gray, for me, it's a bit of a gray area for people accessing U.S. Netflix. You know, they're still paying Mm -hmm. Netflix. uh, So uh, those studios are still, you know, I think, anyway, from the licensing agreements, getting money. Sure. I I understand there's the ambiguity of of, of all that. And and, and frankly, getting off the soapbox a little bit, I would like more access. You know, I don't, I I live a bit in the country, so it's a little bit hard for me to get, you know, Shaw, et cetera, but I would like to have more freedom to get, you know, online streaming. But uh, I just want to put that note out there. When you're kind of in this gray area, th- 
think about those people who uh, who do risk performance and and the, and the action movies you enjoy. No, I really appreciate the uh, the call there, Mitch. Uh, and I, I'm just going to put the last word to you, uh, Peter. I guess it really comes down to uh, really offering consumers more choice when it comes to content and, and easier access to it. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's a couple of um, uh, facts in there, too. Um, one of the interesting things is is that uh, in television production, at least, uh, both in the U.S. and in Canada, television production has actually been going up. Uh, the number of productions that are uh, you know being pr- produced in TV shows um, you know, it's often said that we're in this golden age of television, and these rising production numbers do seem to indicate that. So I think um, the idea of, uh, well, well, the caller there actually raised uh, excellent points, and definitely we don't want to be taking jobs away from anybody. Uh, but if jobs are disappearing, uh, that doesn't seem to be the case, at least in terms of the numbers. Um, and the other thing to remember, too, is, um, you know, this steps into the broader sense or the broader argument about piracy, which has been going on, been going on for uh, you know well over a decade, as to whether piracy does actually hurt uh, production. And there, there have been studies that have shown that it actually does the opposite, uh, that it does turn people onto new content. So, uh, you know, you might get your, you might get, you might torrent something, but then you might, uh, you might end up buying it. I certainly, uh, you know, to admit to it, I uh, years ago I torrented The Wire, and I was so impressed with the show, I bought it on DVD. I uh, talked about it to all my friends and, and basically spread the word there. That's just one anecdotal example of how that sort of thing does happen. So, yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, we would have all the, all of these legal options and legitimate options that are easily accessible and reasonably priced. Uh, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of boogeymen going on, and this is going back to the to the uh, Bell Media president's speech. I think that's a, that's a case of uh, trying to make a boogeyman where there ne- isn't necessarily one. Peter, I want to thank you for joining us as always. Where can people find out more information about you? I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's just at Peter Nowak. And uh, my website is alphabetic.com. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. When we come back from the break, we'll be uh, chatting with Christina Stoyanova about App of the Week. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here in studio. We're also periscoping. You can check us out. Through our Twitter handle, you can search for us on Twitter or through the Periscope app at Get Connected Now if you want to see us live video streaming. Quickly, Andy, the contest. This week we're giving away the Bracketon Stone Green Zero Charger. This is an eco-friendly charger that basically eliminates the wasteful standby consumption you get when you charge your smartphone. A lot of people don't know, Mike, but when you leave your phone or your phone charger like in the plug, it's still drawing power. With this device, it's going to completely eliminate it, so you just go to our website getconnectedmedia.com to check and learn all about it. It's App of the Week time with Christina. Christina in studio. What do you got for us this week? I have an app called Hound this week. Hound. Yes. So this is an app made by the people from SoundHound, which is a similar service to Shazam where it um, can detect the music that's playing around you and tell you what song you're listening to. I use SoundHound all the time when I'm in like a a restaurant or somewhere and I hear a, a song. I just launched the app and it tells me exactly what it is. Yeah. So they have actually developed a voice personal assistant. So this is similar to Siri or Cortana, depending on whatever uh, operating system you're on. But uh, this one is a lot better than those because it actually understands um, 
the complexity of the language. So those apps will actually search for keywords and then spit out what they think you're asking for. But this one actually understands the context. So you can give it much more complex commands like excluding things, which those apps normally don't understand. That's kind of cool. And is this for iPhone or Android? It's uh, it's currently available in beta for Android, um, and it's coming to iOS as well. That's kind of cool. So you can search for your favorite or search for a restaurant uh, that uh, doesn't serve fish. Exactly. For example, for example. Or, you know, show me restaurants in my area except Italian restaurants, and it will understand that. It's amazing how these uh, voice searching apps are really developing. Well, our smartphones are going to become our personal digital assistant, and it's going to all be through voice in the future. Thank you, Christina. And again, available? Uh, so it's available in beta for Android right now, um, and then will be available for iOS as well. want to thank all uh, the Get Connected team for putting the show together. And don't forget, if uh, you are uh, a Shar Rogers customer, you can also access the, uh, the Show Me uh, service to get uh, lots of great content uh, online as well for your tablets and smartphones. That's all the time we have left. Mike, Christina, and Andy logging off. We'll see you again next time.